employee retention is one of the most talked about topics these days. Even heading into what looks like an economic slowdown, many companies are struggling to find and retain top talent. As much as technology has moved into the workplace, thanks to new developments in AI, bots, and digitization, there is still a need for people who are innovative, have leadership skills, technical knowledge, and can build relationships with customers. Good people usually are what differentiate the top companies in any field from their competitors. However, finding those individuals who can help move our companies forward has many leaders shaking their heads in frustration. I'm Jane Singer, and thank you for taking the time to join me here on A Seat at the Table, where we talk with leading executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators who share their insights, experience, and outlook on business, technology, and leadership. It's wonderful to have you as part of our international community that now includes industry professionals like you in over 100 countries. Today I'm speaking with Mark Reifenrath, CEO and co-founder of Spinutech, a full-service digital marketing agency with 150-plus team members across the U.S. Over the past 22 years, Mark has helped Spinutech grow from a college startup to one of the premier full-service digital marketing agencies in the country. The secret ingredient? Company values that include get better every day. The proof? In its first 10 years, Spinutech had zero staff turnover. In this episode of A Seat at the Table, Mark talks about why the first 100 days are so critical for a new employee, how having the right core values attracts A players from diverse backgrounds, and why people are a company's key competitive advantage, even in a digitally driven world. Before we get started, if you're a supply chain executive who'd like to finally put an end to information overload and get a concise fact-based summary of key market developments and shifts, as well as sharp insights as to what's likely to impact sourcing in the coming months, then the current situation in sourcing is exactly what you're looking for. To learn more, head on over to thecurrentsituation.net. That's thecurrentsituation.net, where you can get all of the details. I'll include the links in the show notes as well. Now let's sit down with Mark and find out how we can recruit and retain our own team of A-listers. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today on A Seat at the Table. I'm really delighted to have you on the show. And I, I think that a lot of what your expertise is in is so relevant for today's market, especially as you know, there's this huge problem they call, if you want to call it the great resignation or the great, I don't know what other names you call it, but it's hard to retain staff. It's hard to find the people. It's hard to keep the people. So I'd really love to know what's your secret or what in a sense have you found that enables you to attract top talent and you know, what are the things that are keeping them? Yeah. And that's a really hard question right now. Top talent is you know, often not looking. If you have them, you need to make sure you're taking care of them. Right. Uh, we try to maintain a team of A players or people that will become A players. So we yeah. kind of look at our team as being top talent. You know, as far as how to retract them, uh, like I said, they're not looking a lot of times. So you have to go build a relationship. It's kind of like a sales process with a new client. Right. We do a lot of digital marketing for our clients. We have to do the same to some of these potential new team members as well and market to them and tell them, why we are providing a better opportunity than maybe what they're currently doing. And, and that's going to mean something different to everybody. Right. And so I think a peanut butter spread approach is not going to work. So we do have two dedicated individuals for recruiting, building those relationships, understanding who that person is and are they a fit for us and just understanding, will it work? 
The other thing I would say, though, is we're very patient on hiring. So last year, we only hired 0.06% of applicants. Wow. So instead of just trying to put with growth comes other challenges, you need, you need butts and seats. Right, right. If you get ahead of yourself, though, you're just creating a future problem. So I, I love the right. saying, don't let today's decisions become tomorrow's problems. Right. That's and a good way to put it. You can do that by, well, they're great talent, but are they a bad cultural alignment? Well, right. then we shouldn't just force the issue because that's going to create other problems. So, yes. so that's on the hiring front. There's, you know, and listen, if there's a secret sauce, I'm all ears because um, <laughs> I, I think it is a little bit of a different approach for every position um, and, and, and person, really. Retention, I think we just have to be very aware right now of what's going on. I, we've tried to stay ahead of any stress points that we can address. So roll back to the beginning of COVID, just everybody was, when are we coming back to the office? When are we coming back to the office? And finally, we just said, we're not going to talk about this until we talk about it. Meaning right. it's just open-ended. We're going to be in this kind of flex work situation until further notice. And, and right. I don't see that changing anytime soon. And that alleviates some stress or right. people with kids going back to school that first fall after not being in school. We just brought the team together that wanted to listen to that and said, listen, if you need to work from five in the morning till seven, take your kids to school, get them breakfast, dress, whatever, and then come back on and work and then pick them up or whatever. Like that's totally cool. Don't worry about it. We understand this is a unique situation. Right. Just get your stuff done. Don't have it be disruptive to the team around you or to your clients and we'll be fine. So my point is, how do you eliminate stress points that, that or friction with the team? That's one big thing. And then just, I think flexibility in general right now is super critical because there right. is just, there's so much crazy in the world yeah. and we can't control that. So another saying I love is control what you can control. So reminding our team, like, let's, let's control the things we can control and that's the work we're doing. That's the environment of which we're doing it in. And just trying to allow them that flexibility to perform at their highest ability, which again is different for every person. Some people love working from home. Right. Some people exactly. don't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, very true. And that's a conversation, you know, talk, working with each person, what works for you, what doesn't. Because if you're not talking to them, then you have no idea and all of a sudden they're gone. Right. And right. so, um, again, it's kind of a unique approach for each individual. And it just takes more effort and attention than it did two years ago, two and a half years ago when all this uh, crazy started. So right, it's, right. I think the easy answer is do this one thing, but I don't think that's true. I think yeah. you have to be very specific to each individual and, and just lots of conversations. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think that you're right. It has put a huge extra burden on management when you're having to provide customized solutions for each person, because before it was just everyone in the office, work starts at nine. Now, trying to manage a team, especially when you've got more than just a few people, each doing their own thing is, is very, very hard for, for leadership. Totally. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So when you look at what people want, I mean, you said that they want flexibility. But other than that, what are the big asks? I mean, oftentimes we hear people want more money. Um, people want this or that. What are what is your sense? And I realize every company is different, but you know, what are you? What's your sense of of what are the big things that that people really want? I mean, so I think even aside from right now, what people want, they always want more money. Who would say right. no? I'm not going to take a raise. So yeah. I always try to say, let's assume that that's filled or reasonably filled um, to the best of our abilities. What are the next things we can provide 
And, and I look for the things that are, what's the high value perception versus cost? So right. we made a couple of changes in the last year that I'm very proud of. You know, we had as a smaller company that's grown fast, we're 170 people today. Wow. Um, but not that long ago, we were, you know, 50 people, 100 people. So just some simple benefit changes that we made. Uh, so maternity, paternity, um, as a smaller company, that's hard to burden that. And I shouldn't say burden, yes. it's not a burden, but. Well, yeah, it is. Cover that expense. When you hit a certain size, it does become easier with bigger teams. And so we were able to go full 12 weeks for maternity, paternity, four weeks, which uh, we were very, very proud of that. Um, and that's something that I think, you know, the true cost is relatively low, but every team member would be proud to say that your company offers that. And, right. and so that was a simple one. Um, you know, when we were in the office, we did uh, snacks. Well, that's harder to do because nobody's in the office and we don't have snacks for people. So <laughs> right. with our with our team lunch that we do every month, um, oftentimes we'll send out like a Grubhub uh, or Uber Eats uh, gift certificate so they can have lunch brought to them so they're eating like we would have during right. our all-team meeting before. So it's simple things like that. Uh, we do have a person dedicated to the culture team. That's mm. all she does. She's amazing. She has so much energy. Uh, it's, and, and so giving her that freedom to create events for engagement and, and creating an experience at the end of the day, it's kind of about loyalty and engagement from people and, and how quickly can we get and maintain that engagement so that, you know, it's never been easier for somebody to leave a, a job right now. Right. We don't have that two week period where you're going to the office and somebody's walking up to you and dude, we have lunch every Wednesday. What are you doing? Right. You can avoid all that awkwardness now. Right. Uh, so I think just, again, being aware of what's happening and saying what what's in our control, what can we do? And yeah. you can't save everybody, nor should you want to. There is healthy turnover. Good culture should be spitting out kind of the misalignments. And, right. and so, um, you know, our attitude is we want to set the bar for, for this new working environment as best we can. And it takes everybody to do that. I, I love telling our team, we all need to be the TSA. See right. something, say something. Right. And and so um, if you kind of have that team attitude that we're all trying to make this the best possible workplace that we can together, because it isn't just my responsibility, it isn't just leaders' responsibility, it's everybody's responsibility to make it the best it can be. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that it benefits the whole team, regardless of what role you have in the team for things to, you know, to function smoothly, people to be happy and be productive. Now, when you're looking at who you would hire, right, you were talking about trying to attract that A-level talent. You know, oftentimes you see someone where their resume or their CV really looks stellar, but when you get them on the job, they're just not an ideal person. And obviously every company wants to avoid making a bad hire because it's just so unpleasant to hire someone and then find out rather quickly this wasn't a good fit and then you can let them go of course but that's not optimal what are there are there any specific criteria that you use or any ways that you're able to pre-assess who might not only you know be a, a good performer overall but the right person for your team yeah so like I said, 0.06% of applicants. So we're pretty strict and, and I believe we've got a great process. It can be frustrating to the applicant. We recognize right. that, but it's intentional. And <clears throat> I always tell people that have been hired, like, listen, you've made it through a very stringent process. You should be proud of that because it means right. you checked every box from our perspective that we can know about today. So very first step, 
cultural check. It's just right. that phone screening. Do they align with our culture and our core values? And so we right. like to hire, fire, and manage, solve problems with our core values. So you've got to start that same way in that same process when you're looking for hiring somebody. And so sometimes people won't make it past that screening, which is perfectly fine. doesn't mean they weren't talented. Right. It just means they weren't aligned with our culture and core values for some reason. And that's okay. And each step of the way, we're, we're vetting everything from skill set as well as culture all the way down to the last interview that I do, which is really just a culture gut check, as well as the opportunity for them to ask me questions. And, and I don't want a yes. I right. want a hell yes. Right. I want right. to be all in because some people can say, yeah, I think I want that job. Well, that's not good enough. We really right. want you to be passionate about this opportunity. And so that interview process of making sure you, you know, the easiest time to fire somebody is before you hire them. Yes, so exactly. that process is so important to make sure we are focused. And, and again, not just trying to put a butt in a seat, but right. are we going to be patient for the right person to add value to the team and not become a burden to the team? And we're all going to make mistakes. So, you know, we've had some situations. There's a great story a couple of years ago. I was, we had two new hires within 90 days, almost on the dot. They both quit. Oh my and gosh. I was super frustrated. Like, how did we, what did we do? How did we mess up? And after reflection and some time, I realized from some more information that our culture actually kind of spit them out and pushed oh, them really? away. And then that turned to pride of like, man, our team was holding them accountable, putting pressure on them. They didn't like that. And that's okay. Like that was actually the least costly way to get rid of them right. as opposed to them sticking around for a year or two or more. And we didn't realize that they weren't a good fit and they didn't realize they weren't a good fit. And, and, and so you, you just being aware of all those things, being patient, um, you just can't rush this process. It's very important. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think that it's difficult. It's a difficult discipline to do that, especially when you do really need to fill a position. And so on the one hand, you feel like, gee, we've got to get somebody in this position. And yet on the other hand, like you said, you want to really make sure you get the right people. Totally. So, I mean, your company has a remarkable track record for staff retention. What would you do right? I mean, what would you advise other people in leadership positions in order to be able to, to create? I mean, you, of course, start with by getting the right people, which helps. But beyond that, what would you say goes next? So, uh, great question that I think is, it's one, as a leader, you have to believe in all of it, meaning your core, your core values, your culture, it has to be lived. It can't right. be aspirational. And sometimes I think leaders, they're very focused on other things. And they say, well, this is our culture. This is our core values. But are they living it? Are they being right. that example of it? And, and they may have just in their minds checked that box. Right. So very specific about I have to have a perfect record with our core values. I can't display that I'm misaligned because now if I am, I'm giving permission that, well, you don't have to believe that all the time, right. just some of the time. And, and so as leaders, it's, it's, we have to for sure be lived and then get everybody else in align, alignment with that. And I'll, honestly, we didn't even have our core values identified for almost 16 years or 22 really? years in. Wow. Um, it's not that they didn't exist. We just didn't put it to paper. And so we, right. we had them, but we didn't know it. And we couldn't have our maybe we probably could have articulated it differently for each person. But so, so listen, we're not perfect either, but I think we've always just cared about people. 
Right. And, and for us, people are our biggest asset. We're a digital agency. Our people are what's producing our work, our billable time. And so if you think about that, a manufacturer, they take care of their equipment, their biggest asset. Right. We're going to invest in our team and care for them, make sure that they're happy, that they're producing great work. And, and so, you again, intentionality, I think, is a, is a powerful word. We're intentional about investing into our team and making sure that they have what they need to be successful. I love the saying, what do you need to be the best version of yourself? Oh, that's very interesting. Having that for each person, though, um, training and and self-development for each person. There's so many layers to this. Um, Like I said, we have that uh, individual dedicated to just the culture. We also invest a lot of time into training and self-development. We call it GB8. It's the get better eight. Right. Our first core value is we get better every day. And so that's one of the main things is what are you doing to get better? And, and that's what I think a lot of people want today is they want a passionate place to work. They want to feel like they're making a difference in that and they want to grow. And so right. we need to provide those opportunities. We've dedicated some time in the schedule so that they can get better. So it's a, it's not one thing. It's, you know, a hundred, I'll say death by a hundred cuts, but it's, right, it's right. growth, growth and, and retention by a hundred cuts, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting way to put it. And I, I think you're right. Of course, people want perks and they want more money. But I think a lot of people want that feeling of self-development. I think that plays a bigger role than a lot of people realize in people's sense of self-esteem. And yeah, I, but and I also think it's interesting when you talk about you having to live the culture because you do see companies that throw a lot of benefits at employees, right? They do have maternity and paternity leave and and snacks and funding for education and all kinds of things. But at the same time, you have leadership that is sort of a, a rules for thee, but not for me, that, that don't walk the talk. And I'm just wondering if that can be sort of offset all the perks that people get at a certain point. Right. I mean, there's lots of companies we could list that offer all those things and even more have cafeterias and all kinds of great perks. People still leave there. Right. I would say they're leaving there at a higher rate than they're leaving spinning tech. So, you know, you can have all those things, but if there's other things that are imbalanced or, you know, prickly edges that are right. causing a, a problem for that individual, they're going to leave that. Cause a lot of times when they offer so many benefits, they're then saying, well, you know, the cafeteria, they want you to work 60, 80 hours a week. Right. And work-life balance is a huge component of our, I think, success and retention as right. well of truly living that 40-hour work week. Here's a fun thing that we do. We have, so data, a lot of companies care about data more from a financial and performance perspective. A couple of the key things we look at is, have you worked over 43 hours this week? If you have, and you've recorded that in our ERP, we're going to get a flag, meaning we don't want you working more than 43 hours. Wow. If you haven't taken PTO in 90 days, another flag is going to go off. Big believer in you've got to take PTO, time off, recharge your batteries. So right. we have some kind of health metrics on the team to try to make sure that they're looking out for themselves. If they're not healthy and in a good spot, that's going to be less productive, not as creative, not as good of a teammate. So we care about those things and actually put some data points in place to try to help protect them. Wow, that's really interesting. You know, I haven't heard anybody else talk about putting actual data markers on that. I mean, people do talk about that and the importance of of work-life balance and so forth, but I haven't really had anybody else bring up um, actually measuring and, and quantifying it like that. It's really interesting. 
Now, you talk about work-life balance and about understanding each individual's needs, but how, how do you balance out acknowledging what you might call individualism and at the same time creating a cohesive team that's able to meet the company's targets? Because at a certain point, it can get where everyone's doing their own thing. So our third core value is we over me. And that's really intended to be about we're team players. We say team member, not employee intentionally. I think words matter. And so this we over me mentality is all about, you know, I want to come to work to be a part of a team and do great things with others for others as well. And so we try to get rid of this ladder climbing mentality. You know, it's really easy to give somebody a promotion when they're already doing the job. Right. So instead of, are, you know, somebody coming and arguing why they think they should have this position that they're likely not qualified for. So if you put your head down, you do great work with others, you're a great teammate, you know, job descriptions are not restrictions. Right. It's just a starting point. Some people look at them as restrictions, like, no, this is right. the only box I play in. So that value is so important to us. And the other thing we do is we have a Slack channel specific for call outs for team members but what I love is all those always go back to our core values. Jane did a great job with such and such client. We increased growth and lead gen by X percent. She displayed we over me. We do the right thing, whatever. They put the core values in there. And other team members will then kind of add to that as well. I haven't looked yet this morning, but I'm sure by noon we'll have three to five of those chats mm-hmm. going on. And it's a great way to get recognition nice. on a personal level. but also displaying our core values. And right. so, you know, the core values and it's it's a part of everyday life. And that's how you get that team to be all in on that as well. So those, and, and the other thing with the individual aspects is you may want to be recognized differently than I do. Some people don't want that public acknowledgement. We're big on like handwritten notes from leadership. Um, we're big on uh, in our all team meeting giving shout outs and some of those. Um, sometimes just an email is okay. If I physically bump into you and say, Hey Jane, I heard about such and such. That's great. Keep it up. Um, but it, I think authenticity is obviously one of the most important parts of all that, but also again, it's not just, here's what we do for feedback. And it's this one thing we have to touch a bunch of different things based on how people want to be recognized. And you have generational differences, right? Some of the more experienced and seasoned crowd looks at some of this acknowledgement saying they're getting rewarded for or call-outs for just doing their job. Right. But that's a generational difference. You know, other yes. the less experienced or seasoned uh, team members, that's what they're used to. And so you're just trying to find that balance for everybody and understanding that again, it's different for each team member. And you try to make sure you're checking, not checking the boxes, but approaching it as, in as many different ways as you can to give that feeling of accomplishment and, and what they're looking for. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. And I think it's it's great that you recognize that and have the flexibility to be able to acknowledge people in the way that's most meaningful to them, as opposed to a unilateral system for, you know, one size fits all <laughs> kind right. of a way. Well, Mark, you, you've shared so many great things. I mean, I've learned a lot. I mean, I, you know, a lot of takeaways from, from what you've brought forward and 
things that it seems to me that are, are really very practical, very actionable. They're not the kind of things that only a huge corporation could do or only a small company could do. It seems that these are things that, that really anyone could implement if they just took a few minutes to, um, you know, to get started on it, so to speak. So, so yeah, so thank you. And, and I know a lot of people will want to connect with you. How can people reach out to you, connect with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, obviously love to talk about any of this. And if you want to talk about digital marketing and lead gen, I'm happy to talk about that too. But uh, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, Mark Reifenrath, okay. Mark with a C, M-A-R-C, right. and then Reifenrath, okay. R-E-I-F-E-N-R-A-T-H. And then you can also go to our, our website, spinningtech.com, S-P-I-N-U-T-E-C-H.com. And we put a lot of content. It's not just about digital marketing, but also some of these things as well. So would love to dig in if you've got any questions. I'm also very active in YPL, Young Presidents Organization, if, if any of your audience is in that as well, and you can connect with me there as well. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm going to put those links in the show notes. They'll also be over on our podcast website at seatpodcast.com. And I just want to thank you again for taking the time and for sharing your insights with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was an honor to be here. Thank you for tuning in to A Seat at the Table. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something from it, I'd love to hear about it. Your feedback powers this show. If you'd like to support the show, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, share episodes you found valuable on LinkedIn or other social media and call out your biggest insight or takeaway from the program. And don't forget to tag me, Jane Singer. I love seeing which episodes you liked best. And if you have time, please leave a review on any of the major podcast channels. Also, don't forget to check out our website, seatpodcast.com. That's S-E-A-T podcast.com. You'll find all kinds of bonus content there, including free eBooks, discounts on apps and other products, as well as a preview of upcoming podcast episodes. You can also send a message with any thoughts, feedback, or suggestions there. And yes, I will read them. Thank you for joining me today and supporting the show. I'm Jane Singer, and I'll see you in our next episode of A Seat at the Table.